a Wednesday edition of the Bruce Willis Show. Glad to have you along on 94.5 in Dayton and 98.9 in Columbus. Ohio State University dominates Columbus. It dominates it in terms of its employment footprint, in terms of its education footprint, in terms of its recreational footprint with the obsession for all things Buckeye. It is a public university. It is a state university. That, you would think, would compel the university to give an explanation when something as newsworthy as the resignation of a president occurs in the midst of a five-year, million-dollar-per-year contract. But it appears that we are not going to get an answer to whether Christina Johnson jumped or was pushed from her post as Ohio State's president. That's where we begin this Wednesday edition of the show. Glad to have you along. We encourage you to listen to the podcast, which you can find on either website, 989theanswer.com, or theanswerdayton.com. When the reports came out Monday night that Christina Johnson was resigning as president at Ohio State, the original narrative was that there had been an internally commissioned investigation of her and that she was resigning, and the obvious outgrowth of that was that she was resigning under pressure. There has been, ever since then, a concerted effort either to say nothing or to correct the original narrative and to point out that, no, she wasn't pressured, and in fact, no, there was not an investigation. So why would you walk away from a job that's paying you a million dollars a year plus? It seems to me that you cannot talk about how interwoven Ohio State is in the fabric of Central Ohio, the state of Ohio, and the country without that meaning also that when something happens like a change in leadership, and she'd only been the 17th president in the history of Ohio State, and the last president that Ohio State had who resigned quicker than she did was the president of the school in the 1880s. So this is not a normal occurrence. This is something that I think requires an explanation. And again, I don't have any indication that we're going to get an explanation unless Freedom of information documents, some kind of request that the school is compelled by law to comply with, sheds more light on her resignation than we're getting right now. Now, what's different about Christina Johnson from previous presidents? There was no shortage, no shortage at all of awareness that when Ed Jennings ended his tenure as president years ago, there was no shortage at all of information that Ed Jennings had, uh, shall we say, a cozy relationship with uh, the bottle, okay? He had a cozy relationship with the bottle. Uh, There was no shortage of speculation and information that Michael Drake and Urban Meyer didn't exactly hit it off when Michael Drake abruptly retired. There was no shortage of criticism of Karen Holbrook, the president of Ohio State, when she tried to put uh, a fence around tailgating on campus. And even a president, a two-time president, as popular as Gordon Gee, fell into disfavor with a lot of Ohio State people when Gordon Gee said disparaging things about Notre Dame and, by connection, the Catholic Church. But Christina Johnson appears to be off-limits, appears to be off-limits. She did not submit to any interviews yesterday, though I know there were interviews requested of her. The Board of Trustees is not submitting to any on-camera interviews about her resignation. Her attorney yesterday Uh, said that the reports of her being forced out were inaccurate and that the events of her exit were mischaracterized. Well, then, characterize them accurately for us. So we don't mischaracterize them. 
Her statement says, I'm saddened by the circumstances. My record of accomplishment at Ohio State speaks for itself, and I made the difficult decision to step down. All that can be true, and it could still also be true that she was forced out, that she did something or failed to do something, that the people who sit in judgment of her position determined it made it untenable for her to continue as president. You can make what's a difficult decision to step down after you're told that if you don't make that decision, they're going to fire you and they're going to air and are going to have to air in public the dirty laundry that led them to ask you to step down. So just the mere fact that Christina Johnson through a statement says, I made a difficult decision to step down, that doesn't mean she wasn't asked to step down or threatened with circumstances worse, at least in a public way, worse than stepping down on her own. And it's not just Christina Johnson's attorney who's going to great lengths. You would expect him to go to great lengths to absolve her of any wrongdoing in this. It's Ohio State as well. The school's official spokesman, Ben Johnson, now says there was no investigation into the, pre- into the president. But listen, but listen to this. Instead, he says, there was an outside consultant called in to help the board with Johnson's annual performance review. So there was no investigation There was an outside consultant called in to help the board. You know what they call that? They call that semantics is what they call that. You can call them an outside consultant. What does the outside consultant do? The outside consultant comes in, evaluates what's gone on, job that was required of her, job that was done by her. The outside consultant makes a recommendation, maybe finds an avenue through which they can navigate some legal morass that might come if they dismiss her without cause. And the outside consultant is at least plausibly characterized by Ohio State, not as an investigator, but as a consultant. Look, I spent 20 years on that campus around the athletic program, home games, road games, dealing with university administrators when they hired coaches multiple times, dealing with major scandals in the university that compelled spur-of-the-moment press conferences when they would fire a coach, when they were being investigated by the NCAA, the one prevailing characteristic that I would say is typical of all things Ohio State, and I can say this because, again, I've got two decades of street cred being on that campus, dealing with everybody from the very top person down to the janitors who sweep up the stadium after a game. The number one characteristic of that university is evident from the way that university brands itself, the Ohio State University. The number one characteristic of that university is arrogance. Arrogance that is personified in the way they are trying to silence the actual reason behind the dismissal, the resignation, the stepping down, the difficult decision, however you want to characterize it, of Christina Johnson no longer being the president of Ohio State going forward into the third year of her contract. This is an arrogance common to the left because the left is obsessed with controlling the narrative on all things. Let me give you an example that has nothing to do with Ohio State but has something to do with a major news event in our country that all of a sudden vanishes because the circumstances of the news event now don't match the original narrative. I'm talking about the Colorado gay nightclub shooting. The Colorado Gay Nightclub shooting was originally positioned as what? A shooting inspired by hateful rhetoric on the right against the LGBTQ community. 
We're going to have Saturday in Clintonville a drag show where kids under two are being targeted by these drag performers, men dressed as women, the modern version of blackface, free admission to kids under two. This is going to be protested by citizens, and as far as we know, it's going to be protested by the Proud Boys. Columbus police are going to be there. I pray that this does not go south. I pray that there's not violence in regard to this, because if there is, it's not going to be blamed on anybody on the left who might, and I said might, incite it. It's going to absolutely positively, at least initially, be blamed on the Proud Boys. So if you're going, don't let it happen. And I have all the faith in the world and Columbus police that they will keep it from becoming violent. But back to the Colorado shooting. We were told initially it was inspired by right-wing hate. Then we found out that the shooter was non-binary. The shooter was a member of the community that he targeted. Listen to this biological man on CNN, dressed as a woman, pretending to be a woman, talking about, well, this guy can call himself non-binary, but he's really not non-binary because he doesn't look like a woman. The shooter would like to use the pronouns they, them, and this is for the court in all court papers. I think that's um, complete ludicrous. <laughs> um, I believe they're just saying that because they want to have um, the easy way out on this. Um, that's really, really um, offending, especially being a transgender woman myself, that a male, which it was obvious with the mugshot, that's a man. That's not a non-binary person because in no way, shape, or form could they appear as a woman the next day. So all of a sudden, now, if you don't look like a woman, you're not a woman. I thought all you had to do was say you were a woman. So the left is always about controlling the narrative. They will always bend it to fit the way they'll fit it the way they want to fit it, whether it's Ohio State with the resignation of Christina Johnson, whether it's a mass shooting, whether it's whatever they label misinformation or disinformation on COVID, whether it's okay for Twitter to censor speech as long as leftists own it, but not when Elon Musk owns it. You must believe all women during the Me Too movement until Tara Reid accuses Joe Biden of sexual assault. Then you can't believe her. The rules that are in place always apply until they don't, and when they don't, you got to keep up. There's no consistency to their position. Of course there's no consistency to their position because there's no truth to their position, and the more they try to hide the truth, the more evasive and the more discredited they are. It's always fun to catch up with our friend Jack Windsor from the Ohio Press Network. You can follow Jack on Twitter at Jack Windsor, W-I-N-D-S-O-R. And his site is theohiopressnetwork.com. Incidentally, uh, Jack and I will be appearing at the Top of Ohio Patriots gathering on December the 15th in Logan County. We're going back to my home area. Looking forward to that, getting the chance to engage with a lot of people out there, That uh, some of whom will come from my home area. So there just may be some old softball stories, some, uh, I don't know, Little League baseball stories, maybe some stories about advanced biology in high school, the fact that it was probably just a coincidence that my coach was – also, my advanced biology teacher. So, if you want to know uh, all the dirty little secrets about my childhood, you can ask at that December the 15th gathering of the Top of Ohio Patriots. I don't know if I should turn loose an investigative reporter like you in my home county or not. 
Hey man, I don't I don't throw rocks because I live in a in a glass house. <laughs> I wouldn't want you to do it to me, Bruce. So you're safe. I'm not going to do that to you. <laughs> okay, great. Well, let's let's talk about a topic that's below the radar on most people's screens, but it's an important position. It is the chairman of the Ohio Republican Party, and uh, mm-hmm. Bob Paducic is resigning, and he staved off an attempt to move him aside here over the last couple of months. Uh, who do you hear is in contention for that? And give me the uh, Cliff's Notes version of why that position is consequential for Ohio politics going forward. Yeah, so, uh, you know, first of all, I'll start with the second question. It's consequential because the Republican Party, the way that it operates now, it handles the purse strings. So if you're a Republican and you give money to the Republican Party, then Right now, it's the chairman who decides where that money goes. Uh, one of the things that was really controversial about Bob Paducek, who's resigning, as you mentioned, he's staying in until January, uh, but he's giving up that seat. One of the things that he did that really bothered some people was he gave money to Mike DeWine and John Husted, and he gave money to Dave Yost uh, pre-primary before they were endorsed. And he said, you know, I have the discretion to do that. Um, and we're not talking a little bit of money. We're talking about one and a half million dollars combined. So that's part of it, right? Is that um, the the chairman holds the purse strings, uh, and the chairman does a lot of bidding behind the scenes um, that really affects who the party endorses and what candidates are you know put up for election in different races around the state. Oh, so, is there a, um, is there an obvious choice uh, beyond him? Somebody that bridges the gap? I mean, there were. I know from one of the meetings that I went to at uh, Wedgwood Country Club, it was a Republican meeting, Jim Jordan spoke. And you mm-hmm. could tell as I talked to a lot of the people who had just been elected to the Central Committee that there was a lot, and I mean a lot, of disdain for endorsing candidates, giving money to candidates. And uh, I didn't get a sense. I, I could tell from there that Bob Paducic was not popular with those new members of the Central Committee. But I couldn't tell if there's somebody that'll bridge the gap and that they would be happy with. Is this a position that a lot of people want, or who did we see looming as a candidate to take it over? You know, there, the one person that I heard right out of the gate is a guy by the name of Jimmy Stewart, and he is allegedly Bob Paducek's heir apparent. And Jimmy Stewart is a Republican politician. He served in the House from 03 to 08, and then I believe the Ohio Senate from 09 to 11. And then he left for a private sector job. But he's been touring some GOP fundraisers over the past few weeks and speaking and just showing up. So he's one. And then I'm going to butcher this name. Um, so, Alex, I apologize. It's Alex Triantaflo or Triantaflu. Um, and he's the Hamilton County Republican Party chairman. He threw his hat in the ring. So those are two. I've had some conversations behind the scenes, probably with some of the same people that you just mentioned in your comment that you talked with, and I call them reformers. These are the newly elected members of the state central committee who are really fighting for more transparency, who are fighting to not endorse in the primary. And, uh, you know, they've got uh, a desire to probably have four or five candidates. And at that January meeting, each of those candidates will have an opportunity to stand up and address um, the folks assembled there. And then they'll cast their votes and, and pick a new leader. But, of course, the politicking will happen between now and then. And I think a, a clear leader will rise to the top. I don't know who that is right now. I don't know if it's Alex. I don't know if it's Jimmy Stewart. Um, but there are certainly other people who are going to be involved. 
Jack Windsor is our guest. Jack's with the Ohio Press Network. They are on the web at theohiopressnetwork.com. Follow Jack on Twitter at Jack Windsor. So this is a tangent. When you bring up Hamilton County and this gentleman, Alex Triantafilo, I'm curious. Uh, Cincinnati is a is is part of Ohio, but it's not really part of Ohio. It like identifies more with Kentucky. Uh, yeah. In terms of power in Ohio politics, where do Cincinnati politicians rank? I mean, it's a major city. It's a major league city. But I think more of Ohio being Columbus-Cleveland than I do of it being Columbus-Cincinnati. What's the dynamic with Cincinnati Republicans? I mean, I know it's a woke city just like Columbus and Cleveland are, but are there politicians of consequence? There used to be on the Republican side with Bob Taft, but in my recent recollection, not so much. And that's a great question, and it's, it kind of catches me off guard. It's not something I've thought a lot about. You know, when I think about the three C's, you know, Cincinnati, Columbus, and Cleveland, you know, going south to north up that 71 corridor there, um, I think of those cities, and I think about Republicans in those cities probably being more purple than red as a, as a consequence of uh, those cities. You know, when you get to the center of big cities in Ohio and, and frankly, throughout the country, they're deep blue. They're run by Democrats, um, and they're highly dysfunctional in a lot of places. Um, and so I'm sorry, I'm not trying to criticize Cincinnati, Cleveland, or Columbus. I'm just speaking, you know, in general terms. So um, I think Mike DeWine, I think, probably identifies more with Cincinnati uh, than he does Columbus or Cleveland. Um, but I just think that in, in any major city, um, the, the Republicans are probably more moderate. If you, but when you get out to, like, western Ohio, Southwestern Ohio, that's red meat country. And and uh, by the way, in order to to win there, uh, to win a, a statewide seat, you got to do well in those places. So um, that's really all I can say about Cincinnati and, and, and big city politics. But to me, I think you know the grind, the gear that grinds things out. It's in Columbus. It's it's within that that beltway. Uh, you know, the outer belt to, to Columbus. I think that's where most of the power resides in Ohio politics. Today. Well, I think it's hard for people in Cincinnati. I had a coach at Cincinnati tell me years ago that to someone from Cincinnati, Columbus is like another state and Cleveland is like another country. So I think that it's interesting. You know, they're asked to play nice with people from other parts of the state who they really identify with Kentucky more than they do Columbus. Jack Windsor's our guest. He's with the Ohio Press Network. You can follow Jack on Twitter at Jack Windsor. And Jack, if you would, I'm going to ask you to stick right there because I want to get to Christina Johnson, the president of Ohio State, her resignation. And a topic I haven't talked much about here on the show is Donald Trump and his uh, much publicized dinner with Kanye West and Nick Fuentes. If you're kind enough to hang on, we'll get to you on the other side of the hour. This is the Bruce Hooley Show. 